Hello and welcome to the podcast called Grab Yourself a Cuppa. And there's a reason this is called that, basically because I intend to do it in bite-sized chunks as a magazine kind of vibe. This is my very first podcast, so very thank you very, very much for tuning in and giving me a chance to actually be heard. I'm extremely grateful to you. Did anybody else have that silly voice going through their head? You have saved our lives. We are extremely grateful of the aliens from Pizza Planet on Toy Story. <laughs> uh, sorry, I ought to say I'm a big kid as well. So, you know, sometimes things like that just make me laugh. The intention with these casts is to split them into sections, much like a magazine would do, hence the magazine idea into bite-sized chunks. Now, some of this will be linked with my blog, which is charityshophoppingandotherthings.co.uk. I said that slowly so you had time to write it down because it is a bit of a mouthful and it is a bit clunky, but the advantage I have is nobody else has that web domain. Now, if you haven't seen my blog or connected with it in any way, you will have no idea that I am a complete plantaholic. I like to have greenery around me. Um, and believe it or not, there are actually health benefits to having greenery around you. Plants, you know, spider plants, the typical house plants, your cacti, all that sort of thing. But I do have a fascination with orchids, which I've had for a very long time. And a couple of years ago, I took the plunge and I actually bought myself a mini orchid called a Phalaenopsis. And they are the main ones that you can find in the supermarkets, not so much the mini ones, but certainly the big ones that have got flowers like dinner plates. Um, but I don't have the space for that. I'm blessed with a house that possesses exactly four, sin- four window sills. All the others are not big enough to take a four inch pot so therefore I have to find other ways of displaying my house plants of which I have quite a few um, but that's just me I just like the greenery around there's health benefits to it they clean the air um, they do actually make you feel much better if you bring a bit of nature into your house uh, and that sort of thing if you want to find out more about my house plants Um, I have a YouTube channel which is also linked to my blog called Charity Shop Hopping but there's also a YouTube channel which is all about my orchids and how I care for them which is called Happy Fal Orchid and the H, the P and the O are all capital letters. The easier way for you to actually find those is to go to my blog And it's actually, there's two links in the top and you can just click either of those and then you can find all the videos there. I also intend to embed this podcast into there so you can find it as well. Um, So I have it all linked together with my Instagram and my Facebook and all that sort of stuff all linked up together. That's the intention. Um, I just enjoy the greenery around around me and the... um, 
you know, and the fact that they clean the air and that it creates a healthy environment. The challenge of keeping them alive indoors is one of the things that I quite enjoy. I quite enjoy the fact that, you know, you, you go around and you water them and every so often you'll be rewarded with a flower or a spike or something that you're not expecting. I mean, that quite often happens with my orchids. I went round yesterday, I watered all of them. One was producing a spike. Two of them are growing new canes. Actually, three of them are growing new canes, which I wasn't expecting. Um, because I don't look at them every day. I don't actually... I'm not one of these people who go around and sort of inspect everything finely every day. I do it once a week or sometimes once a month depending on the season because obviously in the winter they don't need watering as much as they do this time of year because obviously this time of year they're actively growing but I enjoy the challenge I like the rainforest cacti and that covers Thanksgiving cacti Easter cacti and the actual Christmas cactus which is not the one that most garden centres sell as the Christmas cactus. The one they sell as the Christmas cactus is actually a Thanksgiving cactus because they normally flower in November. Um, having said that, the three that I've got, two of them are on their third flowering since November. One flowered the beginning of March and one of them hasn't flowered at all. So, you know, they can be quite fickle. <laughs> uh, I have a couple of poinsettias, uh, one of which coloured up all on its own um, in March. So a little bit late for Christmas, but you know, it did it all by itself and it's now in the process of flowering. Um, the one downstairs, or the, the other one I have in the house, is a pink one that I was bought for Christmas, which I cut back. And I pruned and I left it down there when I looked at it yesterday it's full of leaves it's got leaves all over it so that's obviously happy um, you know, one or two of my orchids uh, one of mine has dropped all its flowers but it's still showing happy sap I don't quite know how that's supposed to work but there you go <laughs> um, you know they will do what they will do you can't control them now most of the orchids you will find in supermarkets are like I say the big ones with the dinner plate flowers they are the phalaenopsis you can find the smaller ones but if you buy the ones that say baby chances are they will grow into a big one what you want to find is one that says mini a mini fowl is a dwarf version of obviously the big ones um, they come in all sorts of colors and the only color they don't come in is blue and I can hear you all sitting there shouting at me going yeah but there's blue ones in the supermarket yeah there are they have been manufactured to look that color they are actually dyed if the um, if the flowers fall off, or when the flowers fall off, I should say, when the flowers finish and they fall off, and then you wait for a whole 12 months or six months or eight months, or depending on how long it takes to go all the way round, um, you know, if, if you wait for that to happen, what happens is when they flower the following year, and a lot of people are surprised to find that they flower white. Well, that's because that's their natural colour. 
It's not for any other reason other than it's their natural colour. They have been dyed in order for people to buy blue orchids. Orchids in the colour blue do not exist in nature. As you would have heard, I don't have a lot of space, but there is one orchid I would really, really love, and that is the vanilla orchid, but that is a climbing orchid, um, so it lends itself to a greenhouse and somewhere which I also don't have, and somewhere with a lot of, um, what's the word? Somewhere with a lot of light and a lot of height, <laughs> so that it can climb. And you're all sitting there going, Vanilla orchid, does it smell of vanilla? I actually don't know the answer to that question. Um, what I do know is that the seed pod of this particular orchid, when it's pollinated, and this will be why they're so expensive in the supermarket when you want them for cooking, are actually harvested from the orchid and then they're dried, and that is your vanilla pod. Oh, which flavours the custard and the ice cream and all the rest of it that you would use vanilla for but that is why they're quite expensive if you buy the pods uh, which is why vanilla essence is obviously a lot cheaper uh, because they can make it go further and it's less labour intensive to actually do that whereas obviously they with the vanilla um, orchid they have to pollinate it, they then have to wait for the seed pods to develop, they then have to wait for them to dry, they have to take them off the plant, make sure they're stable, you know, package them up and then send them out to the supermarkets for us mere mortals to buy. Uh, you know, once you know that, that sort of explains the expense of it. Obviously there are different species of orchid. Um, you know, that you won't be able to find in the supermarket. The two that you will be able to find in the supermarket are the Phalaenopsis and the Dendrobiums. And if you don't know what the Dendrobiums are, they are the orchids with the long canes and the flowers all the way up the cane, both sides, from top to bottom. The most common one you'll see is the white one, um, but they also do come in as pink and yellow and very occasionally you will get those in the supermarkets too. The other orchid you will be aware of will be the Cattleya orchid. Now those are the orchids that became known as the Corsage orchids and they're the very big blousy flowers um, that most people picture when they think of an orchid that isn't a Cattleya, that's a Cattleya orchid. Um, and they're very different to the phalaenopsis, they're not so tough, they have different care requirements. Actually it's quite a diverse hobby, I hadn't realised until I walked into this <laughs> blind as ever. Um, so it, it's quite interesting to see, and like I say, orchids are found all over the world at different height elevations there are some that are in the Himalayas in the mountains and some that are on the floor in the rainforest you know it covers all climates I mean we even have them here in the UK um, yeah okay they're quite hard to find and they're quite rare but they do grow we have our own native orchids and they range in size from the size of a pinhead all the way up to like I say the dinner plates and the big blousy ones that everybody thinks are fantastic 
which they are, but not everybody can grow those. If you want to start on this hobby, be warned, it's addictive. Um, I started in 2017 and today I think I have nearly 20 orchids now and I started with one um, and none of those are divisions or anything apart from one that I have which was a birthday present to myself and that is a Paphiopedalum orchid and that orchid is your classic slipper orchid and did you know the reason they have the pouch like that is the pouch is designed to capture the insects and before you all go oh it's a carnivorous plant no it's not what it is is they capture the insects and then as they climb out they can only get out one way and the way it's done is there's like two runways either side of the slipper where the insects can crawl out and as they do so it deposits the pollen on the insects back and therefore pollinates itself and obviously the insects then fly off to other flowers and pollinate them as well and that's how it works in nature so in actual fact it's not a carnivorous plant at all it just looks like one so the slipper orchids are really pretty as well i did buy a big one as a birthday present to myself a couple of years ago um, but I also bought a little one which had finished flowering and if I'd bought it at full price it would have cost me the best part of £15. When I found it, it's a mottle leafed one um, and when I found the orchid it was reduced in a garden centre from 15 quid down to 4 Why? Because it didn't possess a flower at all no flower no spike no nothing it still doesn't possess the spike but i'm working on it so if you ever fancy getting yourself an orchid look up the pictures um go and look around the garden centers but find the plants without the flowers because they're likely to be cheaper because they're harder to sell <laughs> when we went shopping on Mother's Day we took my mother-in-law out to garden centre because she can't get out very easily now and she loves her plants a bit like I do and so we said to her well do you want to go to a garden centre and we can have a bit of time walking around and then we can come back and we can feed you dinner and then we can take you home which is what we did now okay I came home with two plants which wasn't expected but I came home with an orchid again Flowers fading, looking a bit tatty. Manager's discount in the garden centre, £15 down to 5 So that wasn't about to stay there. And I also came home with another African violet. Um, they are so pretty, those. I just love them. But again, I haven't got a lot of space, so I have to be a bit careful. But it only cost me a fiver, and if I kill it, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> I, yeah, I have disasters. Of course I do. I'm not the world's greenest fingered person moving on from plants to one of my other interests I have so many it's unbelievable um, one of my other many interests is is reading and I do try and read 
as much as I can. I mean, obviously, sometimes life gets in the way, as it does with everything. Um, so sometimes things get put on hold, and then sometimes I'll have a big gap, so I have loads of things to read, then I cook out loads of things to read, and then I read two, and then life gets in the way. You know, that's how the life cycle works. Um, I do actually belong to a book club, which is part of my WI. Um, yeah, I know I'm not old enough to be part of the WI, is the way I look at things. But actually, our WI is quite diverse in age. It ranges in age from people in their late 20s right the way up to people 90 and beyond. So, and we have quite a weird, we have quite a good sense of humour. We're, we're always laughing. If there's anything going on, we're always laughing. So, you know, it's quite good fun. But this is all about books, this section. Um, over the last month, I've read quite a few books, although this is just three of them. Uh, two of them are book club reads, and one of them was my own choice. I'll start with my own choice because that was easiest for me to remember what was going on. Um, I chose Tombland, which was the brand new um, Shard Lake novel that came out from CJ Sansom just before Christmas. Um, I was hoping I might get it for Christmas, but nobody took any notice. So I didn't get that for Christmas, so I borrowed it from the library. I had to wait quite a long time because there was 12 people in front of me. It cost me 60p to get on the request list. Um, unfortunately, when I got it, I managed to read, I think it was one chapter, and then, as I said, life got in the way and I didn't have time to read it. And of course, then when I, I went back to the library to renew it, and of course I wasn't allowed to because somebody else had reserved it. So even though I'd had the book for three weeks, I only managed one chapter. Uh, in the end, I actually gave in and I bought it on my e-reader because any of you who've seen it in Waterstones or anywhere like that, any bookshop, or that, will know that it's not exactly light. Um, it's not what you would call light reading. <laughs> um, most of his books are 600 pages long. So you can imagine it's a bit like a brick and the ones that were sort of 20 quidish in the bookshops uh, were, were then, you know, were in hardback. So even that made it more, uh, even heavier than it would have been anyway. And I wouldn't like it in paperback because I'd imagine it would fall apart pretty quick because obviously they can't sew the spines together like they do in the hardback books. Um, so I decided that the e-reader was the best option. It was also half the price. And although I'd had the hardback physical book for three weeks, the one on my e-reader took me a week to read. <laughs> but that is because his books are so easy to read and I really, really enjoy them. So I'm really sorry, but this is a very biased, um, you know, read Shard Lake, read Shard Lake. If you're interested in these books, the best one for you to start with is called Dissolution. So it's all about the dissolution of the monasteries and it's the very first one in the Shard Lake series and it kind of puts it all together and how he meets all the people that he deals with. Um, but the great thing with Samson is that a lot of the people in his stories, although the actual story is fiction, he weaves it around the people that were around at the time. For instance, Shard Lake worked for Cromwell, 
Thomas Cromwell that is, not Oliver, um, and Thomas Cranmer. And he gets into all sorts of scrapes along the way, and they're very entertaining to read. I mean, my two favourite ones, Darkfire was the very first one I read, and that was just such an amazing book. And then the next one after that that I really, really enjoyed, and I couldn't put it down, was Heartstone. Um, And I did actually figure out what was going on there. They are historical mysteries, they're historical fiction, but when you read Sansa, and I say this to everybody who sort of says, oh, I don't know what he's like, I said, well, read it, because he basically makes London, Tudor London, come to life, and you can almost smell <laughs> what it's like because of the descriptions in the pages. It's just amazing um, how he manages to do that, because my imagination runs riot then. Um, and the stories are really good. They're, they're obviously murder mysteries and all done about a lawyer and all the scrapes he gets into and all that sort of thing. And the lawyer himself, Matthew Shardlake, is a hunchback. So that's quite unusual in itself. Um, you know, so it's very, very interesting. But Tombland is the latest one in the Shardlake series. I believe it's number seven. Um, I've actually read all of them bar one. I've read all the Shard Lake series and Dominion, which is an interesting read if you want to find out what the war would have been like if the Germans had won. That's quite a scary read, but that was quite interesting. Uh, That was a book club one. Uh, And the only other one I haven't read of his is Winter in Madrid, which I will get to eventually. This next book is a book club read. It's by Kate Moss um, and it's called The Taxidermist's Daughter. Now my review reads somewhere like this. A mystery with a touch of the macabre, Victorian drama and revenge. A lost memory and a terrible crime which ended in murder. I wasn't expecting much from this book and the title didn't sound too inviting either. However, despite this, once open, this was a compelling read and one I would recommend to others as I really enjoyed it. It was one of those that, you know, I wouldn't have picked it up if I'd seen it in the library, I wouldn't have picked it up if I'd seen it in a bookshop, I wouldn't have picked it up at all. Uh, it was given to us at a book read, so I opened it and I had a quick one before I knew where I was, I was in the middle of the book. <laughs> Um, which is the sort of books I like those kind of books where you pick them up and you think oh yeah I'll just read a bit and then suddenly you find that you've nearly finished it uh, because it's that good to read number three is Anne Cleves and this is Raven Black now if you're a if you're a fan of the TV series Shetland This is the series of books that they're based on, and Raven Black is the very first one. I have never seen any of the Shetland BBC drama series, so it meant nothing to me at all. So I just read the book for what it was, out of context um, of the drama series. Now I know a lot of people in my book club sort of said, we like the TV show, we like this, we like that. I've never seen it. So I actually read the book Cold. but it, this lady is also responsible for the ITV drama series Vera um, and some of her books are based 
around the Yorkshire Dales and what have you where Vera is. I've only ever seen one of those and they are quite good. I've never read any of them but because of this particular thing um, I will definitely go and look her out because I couldn't put it down. I really could not put this book down. It's based in Shetland obviously um, in a small community where everybody knows what everybody else is doing even when they breathe you can't do it without anybody else knowing uh, but part of that is survival and eventually um, a girlie is found murdered on a winter's morning in the snow just after Christmas and as the story goes on it suddenly becomes apparent that it's not the first time somebody's gone missing and it's all intertwined and it all gets all interlinked and gets a little bit confusing in the middle um, but I worked out what was going on with one of them and didn't have a clue about the other one uh, you'll have to read the book because I don't want to put spoilers in here for anybody who's halfway through reading it or whatever I don't want to put spoilers in here I you know, I really enjoyed the book. I worked out one of the mysteries but didn't work out the other is the bottom line. Thank you so much for listening to me waffle on about books and plants and other things. Um it's very nice to see you. Hopefully I will do another episode soon, but as this is my first foray into podcasting, don't expect too much from me too quickly. Okay, bye-bye. I will see you soon. <laughs>